Hello and welcome to the White Shorts podcast. I'm Bella Cartman and I'll be your host for the series. Now, this podcast came about from conversations I've had with players, coaches and fans of women's football and women's sport. There is so much being discussed on a daily basis about challenges faced by female players, the improvements we would like to see in the game and how there are these amazing women quietly working away to improve our clubs and associations for the women of tomorrow. With the recent explosion in women's sports, I sought out a platform where I could learn more about these incredible women and what they're doing for women's football New Zealand. What I found should have come as no surprise, but this platform did not exist. So, the White Shorts podcast was born. This podcast aims to bring to light the work being done by these incredible women, along with highlighting some of the adversities they have faced by being involved in the game. Each week, I'll be joined by a player, coach or manager from around New Zealand for a fireside chat. We'll talk about their motivations, their journeys and crucially, what they've learned along the way. So come join us and we hope these discussions inspire ones of your own. Morning all and welcome to the White Shorts podcast. Today we are joined by Nat Broadhead, who is the Federation Development Officer for YBOT Football, which is Waikato Bay of Plenty. Um, she reckons it should be she it should be called the football development officer, but you know we'll roll with it. She's also self proclaimed future football fern and self proclaimed besties with Yitka football fern coach. So you know we'll probably grill her on that in a wee while. But yeah, Nat, thank you for coming on the pod. Appreciate it. Oh, thanks so much, Bella. What an intro. It's amazing. Thanks <laughs> for having me. <laughs> nah, awesome. I'm very excited to have you on board. Um, I mean, yeah, we all know by now how how the pod starts. So mm-hmm. what was your first memory in football? Well, I actually started football quite late. I was 20 at university because I was uh, into those other sports of netball and hockey and um, thinking I was going to be a silver fern, but didn't quite make it. So thought I'd switch over. Um, so I signed up at Unicole. AFC uh, based at Waikato University in my final year of study and um, one of my earliest memories there was we were running around at training and because I'm just so used to playing netball every time a ball ended up in the air I'd catch it and (laughs) my coach was uh, Nat keep your hands down so he made me run around with my hands on my shorts making sure that my hands would not lift and it took me a, a good solid three weeks to get used to not lifting my hands up to catch a ball. <laughs> oh no, oh, you should have been a keeper by the sounds of it. <laughs> I was for a couple of years. Yeah. <laughs> it makes a lot of sense. Well, I mean, yeah, okay. Well, you started out at Waikato Uni and then where, like, what's your, what's your footy journey from there? So I was at uni for a uh, Unicole for 10 years. Um, had some of the best times in my life there actually formed some very deep friendships um some who I'm still very close and best friends with these days which is great um I played ladies b all the way through which is pretty much the bottom of the bottom social division uh I play I think I did have a couple of spells in the a in the a div div one um which was terrifying but also heaps of fun <laughs> um, and, and sort of became a, a centre back yeah centre back full back um, yeah. that's where I've been playing most of my football um, 
while I was at Unico, I sort of wanted to get to know about the nitty gritties of how the club ran because I just had so many questions, you know, why do we get these shitty pitches um, when the men are training over there? You know, why do we have crappy kits? Yeah. You know, how can we um, find some funding to get some new kits, all that sort of stuff? Yeah. Uh, so I wanted to know how it all worked. So, yeah, ended up on the committee as the club captain and then eventually as the president nice. uh, for one year. Yeah, that was, uh, yeah, very, yeah, it was pretty amazing, really, yeah. to find out exactly all the ins and outs um so yeah I stayed at Unicole for 10 years and then after my stint as president I thought oh no that's not for me <laughs> but I'd try and go to a club where women's football is a bit more appreciated as well um yep. so yeah ended up at Claudelands Rovers for five years um you've just launched a program with Wirebob actually no we're going to step it back a bit how did you get into the FDO role? Because, like, I mean, in terms of, like, sports management slash sports roles in general in New Zealand, like, there's not a lot of them. And, like, they're quite hard to find. So, like, how did you find out about it? How did you get into it? And, yeah, like, I mean, you just mentioned it wasn't at all what you expected. But, like, you know, you don't go to a degree in FDO. So, like, how did you end up there? Great question. <laughs> Well, I actually, I got a Bachelor of Sport and Leisure Studies because that's, I wanted to work in sport. I didn't want to be a PE teacher, but I wanted to work in sport. It's not what life had in store for me. I ended up in Japan for a year working on the ski field straight after uni. Nice. And then I ended up doing admin work at an IT company. And then I ended up farming for a couple of years, dairy farming, milking cows, <laughs> and then ended up working at Fonterra for nine years in milk quality and alongside Fonterra that's when I was doing my presidential duties and committee work and all that and then that's then that's when I realized oh you know I'd actually love to work in football Hmm. um I did apply for uh the women's development officer role that did come up multiple times so I applied a couple of times knowing full well the first time I applied I I wouldn't get it because it was nowhere near experienced enough, but I wanted to put my hat in the ring yeah. so they knew who this net broadhead chick was. <laughs> um, the second time they actually gave it to, um, I think it was Tracy Rigley, who is phenomenal. She's got phenomenal sport knowledge, cross codes from hockey. Mm. Um, and yeah, she's, she's pretty cool. Um, and then I was like, you know what? It popped up again after Tracy moved on and I was like, you know what? Um, I don't know if I'll go for it. I don't feel like being shot down a third time. I'll just maybe I'll just keep sport as my passion and then just keep working at Fonterra. So I've got a great income that I get to live my, you know, still get to live my passion (laughs) through my volunteering. And then during lockdown uh, 2020, end of 2020, when we went, Oh, 2021 when we back, went back into it hmm. like Fonterra lockdowns are longer because we're a food safety organization as well um so they want to keep everyone super safe so while while the country was still in level three oh sorry while the country was back in level one we were still in level two so we still had to work from home for oh ages. wow yeah and I was like you know what I'm starting to get a bit over um dealing with milk quality and talking to farmers about supplying terrible milk to our company you know yeah I, I want to work in sport I've just yeah and it gave me that clarity 
Um, so I started applying for jobs, um, applied for one at Sport Bay Plenty. Yeah. The office I'm now working in. Um, <laughs> and I asked my uh, the CEO of YBOP, so Karen Walters, who I've known for years, I'm like, would you mind being a, a reference for me? I'm applying for a job at Sport Bop. And she's like, sure, of course I will, Nat. Uh, let me know how that goes because there might be something coming up. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, I made it to the final two of those of the job at Sport Bop. Didn't get it, and then so I let Karen know. I'm like, thanks for being my reference. I didn't. I wasn't successful, but thank yeah. you. And she's like, she's like, I want to talk to you. So yeah, <laughs> they um, they needed someone stationed here in Little Tarua because there hadn't been um, anyone apart from people stationed in Hamilton who were coming to Little Tarua. Yeah. So, yeah. You got the FDO role. I got the FDO role. Wow. I mean, yeah, that, but yeah, well, that's a twisty, twisty, twirly way of getting there, but absolutely incredible. <laughs> um, and it's, yeah, like, I mean, it's, it's interesting that you were like, I, you know, I want to want to work in sport after, I, what was it, nine years with Fonterra? Like, you know, you always had that passion and like, how do you kind of take, that leap into being like because I imagine it would have been quite easy to stay with Fonterra and like as you say like a good income very easy to stay on that track but like it would have been quite terrifying to take that leap and be like you know what I actually want to I want to do something different and follow my passion like from your perspective like what was kind of the switch in your head or like maybe some advice for some people who might find themselves in that exact same position well, the, um, yeah, it's a great question, actually. Um, so I was, I talked to a lot of people in my circle of support. Um, so my best friends, um, my parents, and they're like, nah, everything you've done has been leading up to this moment. Like you've volunteered, you've got all the possible committee experience you could ever want. want. You've done coaching for national age groups for YBOP. You've managed the National Women's League team. Like, you love like you light up when you're doing your sports so you could either you can stay at Fonterra and continue down that journey but do you get out of bed and do jump out of bed wanting to go to work yeah and I'm like no no I like <laughs> snooze my alarm a hundred million yeah. times <laughs> because yeah. I just don't some days you just don't want to deal with abusive farmers on the phone <laughs> very fair fair enough <laughs> And I was like, you know what? I, you know, I, they're like, well, how do you feel when you get out of bed, when you get a coach or when you get a play? And I'm like, oh, I'm up before my alarm even goes off. And they're like, there's your answer. Yeah. Do something you love. And dad still gives me that same advice. He's like, at the end of the day, it's you that's working. You might as well do something that you love. Otherwise, mm -hmm. you're working all these hours for what? That's incredible. Um, with YBOP and, you know, this amazing FDO role that you have, you've recently started a new program for young rangatahi, I believe, um, to do with footy. Do you want to talk us through a bit about that? Yes. So uh, my colleague, Vicky Lahana, who's our Women's Development Officer, and I, um, we designed the Wahine Tour program uh, with the initial sort of idea and concept that we wanted to sort of rebuild the youth girls pathway as and the talent pathway that's 
um, no longer at Wyabop Football. Uh, so we wanted to sort of reintroduce that because it was it was lacking. And we thought, oh, how can we do this? And Vicky was like, well, why don't we do some sort of camp where we could get them all together so the girls all know each other and then they they sort of come together from all our regions within the Waibop region. And then by the time they're, you know, potentially back in that talent space, they already have a friend. So then it's not quite so intimidating when they go up to the New Zealand under 17s camp or something yeah. like that. And I was like, that sounds great. And she said, cool, right. Let's, um, we could make it like three days, two over two nights. We'll look after them. We'll have like a hundred kids. And I was like, whoa 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 <laughs> I was like who's who's gonna be camp mother of all these kids because yeah. <laughs> we'll end up exhausted the kids will be exhausted that's all speaking from my experience of being with where Rose Bowl National Women's League National Age Group yeah. I was like no 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 let's do it a different way <laughs> so <laughs> uh, we thought right we'll have the two days we'll limit it to 50 girls Vicky crept it up to 52 girls um from around the region the only experience they need is that they've played football and that they're interested in developing there's you know that you don't have to be playing in the top first 11 team for your school you don't have to be in the top federation team for girls because there is no federation league for girls yeah. at YBOP you know just you love football that's it hmm. that's your criteria uh, so yep we um put it out there to the world we got 52 girls plus 20 on the waiting list easing oh, wow. that was just at the 13 and 14 year old age group and so we thought right how are we going to do this um so we wanted a mix of girls from you know Rotorua, Tauranga, um, Hamilton some of the um, smaller areas as well we didn't want it to just be from the main city centers yeah and we thought cool all right so we want them to build connections through football and I'm like right we'll chuck futsal in there because futsal's huge it's huge growth for girls as well um and I'm like well how can we give them some leadership experience as well and build their confidence because as females your confidence levels are just naturally low I don't know if it's part of our DNA somehow our, yeah. our confidence levels are just always low yeah self-doubt is huge yeah it is. I wish I could just sometimes clone a part of the male brain and inject it into ours so we have that confidence already in there. Yeah, just walk into a room and just not freak out immediately. You know, I just own it, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm quite envious of that. <laughs> and we'd recently been on the Ford Woman in Leadership uh, program, which was run by New Zealand Football and probably one of the most amazing programs I've ever been on. And that's where we met Jess from Southern Football oh, yes. and heaps yep. of other women's development officers from around the country and other amazing women that are working in football and volunteering. And one of the main focuses of that program was conquering the imposter syndrome and building your own self-confidence as well as a female, not just in football, but for yourself as a human being, but also um, identifying strengths within yourself and others so being your champion and someone else's champion I'm like right how can we harness all that and chuck it into our program yes yeah. so um uh we big borrowed and steal stole some of the ideas from that essentially very nice <laughs> as you do why I'm reinvent the wheel yeah. um 
We also use Etu Tangata, which is a program that was presented to me um, at Sport Bop, actually. And that's about stamping out tall poppy syndrome, which is just rife through our country. Yep. So anyone that's succeeding is automatically, you know, crushed down or absolutely you know, it's, yep. your, your successes are not celebrated. And I'm like, how, how is that even helping our girls? How is that helping us as females when our self um, belief is already so low um, so yeah. we stole that program which is online and free and available to use Amazing. Um, so that was quite cool and we also used uh, brought in Te Whare Tapafa which focuses on your overall hauora and all the po in there so it's your mental resilience your um, your taha hinginaro, your taha whanau, so your social, emotional well-being, your whenua, so your land, your, and how you spiritually reconnect into your into your roots, yeah. like where you're from, and nature and all that sort of thing. Um, so yeah. I'm mind blown by this program because that is just one of the most amazing things I've ever heard. And the fact oh, wow. that this isn't everywhere is shocking to me. Because you guys have brought so many different facets together and made football so much more than what, like, just football. Like, to be teaching these girls self-confidence at 13, like, is so, so important. And as you say, like, it's not just about them having a friend when they get to, like, under-17s, but it's having the self-confidence to walk into a new squad and be able to make a friend. Like, that's so important. And it's just, like, I want to take the time to say thank you to you and Vicky. Because, oh. um, like, my, I'm shocked. Like, my jaw is on the floor. This is so goddamn exciting. Oh, thank you. <laughs> We've actually um, recently, we had a meeting this this week, actually. So I met the Women's Development Manager for Bay of Plenty Rugby. Yeah. And they've already got a Wahine Tour program, I think, in the King Country. But she's like, I want to steal yours. Like, yeah. So, I was yeah, we say, like, we need to get this all over New Zealand. Like, this is incredible. <laughs> and it's like, it's no secret either. It's just stuff we've learned being in the leadership program, women in leadership program, and stuff we stole from online. Like, it's it's all out there, but it's just putting it all together. Yeah. And then having the right resource, the right coaches, the right, yeah. and creating that safe environment. That's another thing that we did do. So we had a pre-meeting. We had a, a meeting before the actual program with the coaches so they knew what the hell they were getting into for starters. Yeah. Um, but also to create that, you know, it's going to be a safe environment for the girls. There's no such thing as failure. If you if you do stuff up, no one's going to tell you off. Um, yeah. You get to have a laugh. It's a positive environment we don't want you to tell the girls how they should be doing things we want them to work it out for themselves with you guiding them hmm. and yeah and they were honestly probably the best coaches we've had involved they were just yeah incredible yeah well I mean yeah and like I think it was Tessa that talked about like we've got this clean slate with women's football to kind of do whatever we want with it and it's just so incredible to hear you guys completely running with that and just going for it because like you've created like and you haven't just created this program by the way picking up on tall poppy syndrome like this is incredible and it's all thanks to you guys for putting in the hard work and sort of sitting down and actually thinking how can we get the best out of these girls and give them the best opportunities so like you know I take my hat off to you because like that is absolutely incredible um but like 
you are creating the space for women's football to be something new and something different um and like yeah and as I said before like making it so much more and making it so much more about them as females um and that yeah that self-confidence and being able to yeah be okay with failure and not kind of beat ourselves up about it which I mean as you say like we do so often um in terms of that New Zealand football uh what was it the woman lead woman in leadership yeah the Ford woman in leadership program yeah like what were your main takeaways from that because that would have been a pretty special thing to be a part of oh it was incredible um I think some of my main takeaways was that I learned what imposter syndrome was and I suffered hugely (laughs) not alone not alone either a lot of women and men um suffer from that um so knowing that, you know, and that's kind of normal, but then how to sort of also quieten that inner critic as well. Um, and also being a strength identifier, not because I can do that easily for others, you know, as women, yeah. we find it very easy to be like, ah, oh, you know, she's amazing. She's a great yeah. footballer. She's so nice. Um, but you struggle to do that for yourself, but you can do it so simply. Um, with the Wahini Toa program, you being a female, do you think that's influenced you bringing in female-focused programs? Or 100%. do you think it comes down to the person in the role? Um, I think being a, f- probably a mix of both, but if I'm honest, from my perspective, being a female that's played football, has always had to compete against males, has worked with male coaches that don't necessarily listen or value your opinions I've also worked with amazing male coaches as well don't get me wrong um and then also being a female president who you know can be the voice for those female footballers I I feel like going through all those experiences as a female myself I'm naturally Mm. more wanting to put something in place for females that I wish was in place when I was growing up Mm. um so I think being a female federation development officer definitely does carry a bit of a bias towards the female players and coaches sorry the men that I meant to also look after out there but (laughs) have you faced any like challenges being in this role or your coaching roles I guess as well and being that female and like actively advocating for other women and girls like have you faced any challenges or any people kind of speaking out against that or have you felt at any point kind of unsafe about kind of kind of trying to progress those girls spaces um I think you always get a little bit of the naysayers I haven't had it directly said to my face um but there have been instances where I've read comments or have seen my colleagues receive emails like my other WDO colleagues around the country um asking why isn't there something in place for males why is it always females yeah and I'm like are you you kidding me (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) like a part of me was like actually you know what I'd love to go along to a male um tour program tane tour program there we go and see exactly what what you would focus on there because that would be quite interesting Hmm. um I haven't seen any myself in the football space so I I do kind of understand where they're coming from but 
in my other in my actual role I'm just like are you are you kidding me like we've had to fight tooth yeah. and nail to even you know wear brand new football kits yeah. I've got my first brand new football kit that I'm wearing for Northern United this year previously we've had to wear the daggy old kits handed down from the men's teams and you know I'm not the only one to go through that that's yeah. countrywide like why is that so surely males can understand why we're, we're kicking up a bit of a fuss about that hmm. oh yeah well for sure and you know you hope you hope they would understand but unfortunately a lot of them still don't and a lot of them still kind of I guess use that argument of equality against mm. women and say oh well women are getting all this surely we get it as well but it's like buddy we're just we're fighting for the scraps here you know yeah. we're not getting all this this is the bare fucking minimum at this rate exactly. like you've already got it we just want equity like I'm yeah. not a female that wants over and above what a male's getting I just want the same as what they're getting yeah but back to your FDO role and like again like there's a WD on FDO role and so like coming in as a female and promoting all these female programs but technically in the FDO role have you faced any, no, face is the wrong word, but have you felt kind of like, I mean, you've talked about your imposter syndrome and obviously like you've faced some of that in the role, but we've mentioned on this podcast and I believe it was Katie Barrett that talked about it, but like she's faced like a little bit of tokenism in her role and that she sometimes, and it's part of that imposter syndrome, she sometimes feels like she's just been given the role because she's a woman and they need to check that box off. Like, have you faced that at all? And maybe, yeah, like the imposter syndrome as well. But like, do you feel like some of that has been present throughout your career in football? Uh, very evident throughout my career in football. Not so much as an FDO, because that's a bit more of a mutual role, yeah. um, but definitely in coaching roles. Yeah. Um, so how I feel, how and how I view it as well um, is a bit different. Like, yeah, there's a there's a touch of imposter syndrome in there, and you're like, oh, I've only been, I'm just a female tick box. Mm. But you know what? I'm like, how to it? You know, it's it's given me some incredible opportunities a lot earlier in my coaching and managing career that none of my male counterparts who have been coaching longer than I have have ever had. Yeah. So like, you know, my second year coaching, I got asked to be national women's league manager. Yeah. That's for I didn't. Even, I didn't even know there's a National Women's League team at that point. <laughs> I had to Google, I was like, what am I doing? <laughs> and, you know, I got to be assistant coach with the National Age Group team in my first year of coaching. I had no idea what I was doing, but I was with Cliff Harris, who's also one of my um, colleagues at YBOP. He's incredible in the girl yeah. space. Massive advocate. Um, yeah. So I was like, you know what, I've I've gotten to do all this. And meanwhile, my male counterparts who are still coaching, you know, club rugby or sorry, club football or school football. They're yeah. like, how have you even gotten these opportunities? And I'm like, being a female, <laughs> you know. And I thought it's it's my duty. And I think Katie Barrett um touched on that in her podcast as well. Yeah. It, I felt like it was my duty to step through that open door. Yep. and grab that opportunity with both hands and um, not necessarily prove that I belong there, but just working your butt off 
so then they can see oh she's amazing why was she not asked earlier yeah you know um and just just give it your all just just work your butt off um do bring your own sort of authentic self to it um ignore the tick box because essentially I was a tick box but you know what I was like you know fine I'll rock that tick box yeah <laughs> and by doing that you're encouraging more people to take chances on us as females yes and they're like how you know that's awesome we've we've brought this female along this journey which a male should typically go on this journey but she can do it she's extremely capable mm. yeah and then, the, and then the tick box will start to fade and it becomes yeah. a bit more of a norm exactly yeah no and like yeah and so and to have people like you yourself and Katie Barrett you know leading that charge is just so exciting and makes it so much easier for the rest of us which is absolutely amazing um you mentioned there like you know bring your own authentic self like if you are coming into those new roles and maybe you're taking a bit of a chance on yourself as well it can sometimes be a bit daunting to like be your own authentic self because I don't know sometimes I guess it might feel like you need to fit into the role or something like how have you kind of grappled with that or is it not something you've grappled with and you've just been like you know fuck it I'm me and people have to deal with it I've grappled with it my whole life um my friend my don't ask my friends I'll disagree if it's a different context (laughs) (laughs) and like the professional sense and the coaching sense as well um you kind of fake your confidence you fake it till you are it um and that was a theme that ran right through our woman in leadership program as well um yeah I'm actually quite a shy person again and you know more people disagree with me (laughs) but I can be quite shy like I'm not going to hunt out opportunities and like I won't contact people and say you need to interview me for this blah 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 like I'll sit there quietly and if people ask me a question I'll answer it um yeah so I'm uh, sort of I like to try and fly under the radar or used to at least and um, this role has changed yeah. <laughs> that quite significantly um because <laughs> I've just been saying yes to things and that's one of my mantras that I'm working with this year is um do it scared I call it so I, I found this meme on Facebook and it said I want to do this and then the option is do it but I'm scared. We'll do it scared. Yeah. So yeah, just, just do it. And it doesn't matter if you're scared because you're doing it. Worst case yeah. scenario is you bomb out and you go back to being your quiet self flying under the radar. Um, I was um, named assistant coach for our futsal women's YBOP national team. Yeah. Bugger all experience in futsal, if I'm honest. I, again, I was like, oh, it's another tick box opportunity. Great. <laughs> I'm so glad I did it because I ended up working with one of the best coaches I've ever worked with. And he's a male. Like, oh. he would, yeah, fantastic. Like, he's he actively listens to you. You don't just coach. You're not, you're not just doing the 11 plus or the fast start and yeah. the and the, the rondo at the start. and. Then, and that's it you're collecting balls for the rest of the session like yeah. previous experiences I've had as an assistant coach he's like no 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 I want you to take this part and he'll send me the coaching sessions in advance so I can go over it 
ask him questions because I had a gazillion of them. What's a pivo? I have no idea what a pivo is. So, you know, steep, yeah. steep learning curve. Um, I was scared a lot of the time and I had a chat with him and our other assistant coach, Dave, and I said to them, I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm so sorry. I feel like I'm letting you guys down. And I feel like I'm letting the girls down because yeah. they deserve someone with that footsore knowledge. And they're like, Nat, we have no idea what we're doing either. And it, it dawned on me there and then that they also suffer from imposter syndrome a little bit as males. Yeah. And I did not realize that. And that was so reassuring. And mm. yeah, it was just an incredible experience. Yeah, no, that, and I mean... But by the sounds of it, I'm chatting to a few other people. Like, you know, you're a futsal, you're a futsal person now. By the sounds of it, your love for futsal is just absolutely shot through the roof. <laughs> I do love futsal. It's so much more interesting to watch than football. <laughs> you heard it here first. But no, that is getting cut. <laughs> that we're not having any of that. No, we do love our futsal. We do love our futsal people as well. Uh, we can't forget about the futsalers, that's for sure. Oh, it's cool. It's a game I probably can't play because it's way too fast for my old body. <laughs> but yeah, even a bit speedy in that footy, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, speaking of saying yes to everything, you've had a pretty incredible opportunity crop up this year. Um, with the American Embassy of all things, um, yeah, like I'm still can't quite wrap my head around this. So you're gonna have to talk us through it. But you're heading over to America with a couple of girls, or more than a couple of girls, who've got a scholarship to play football, learn football. I don't know. Can you give us the rundown? Because it sounds incredible. Honestly, I'm still trying to wrap my head around it myself. <laughs> I don't even know how I got to this point. Um, so uh, these amazing, amazing group of five rangatahi have been selected. Um, and essentially, what, what, from what I've been told, the little I've been told, they're still putting the program together, you know, four weeks out from when we fly. <laughs> <laughs> Well, what we're doing is they're putting us on a sports program. So we're going into a sports camp in the USA and New Jersey. Um, so there's going to be coaches and other American players there from the from the US soccer teams, um, <laughs> which is incredible. Yeah. And they're going to put us on a leadership course. Um, they're also going to... I think we've been given projects that we have to work together on and work on our communication and presentation skills. Um, and it's just about bringing together female footballers from the US and New Zealand and Cook Islands and keeping in touch and just having an amazing time together. Oh, yes. no, that will be such an incredible opportunity. That's so, so exciting. And again, congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Like, <laughs> again, none of this tall poppy syndrome. Like, that is big moves from you. Huge. Thank you so much. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's just wild. And with it being in the same year as the Women's World Cup, like, mm -hmm. I get back in July. So then it's just kicking off. And I'm oh, like, perfect amazing like this is just incredible how how do you say no to an opportunity like that oh 100 you just can't you just can't you um, can't you just swallow it and say yep let's still go for it and just be scared <laughs> as you do it 
Yeah, love it. Yeah, I reckon that's going to be my new new catchphrase. I'm going to implement that in my own life. Just <laughs> be scared, but do it. Um, speaking of the World Cup, how mm-hmm. exciting is it that it's coming to New Zealand? It's coming to our shores and you're going to have games in Kirikiriroa or Hamilton. Like, oh my gosh. Wild. It's It's just so wild. I never thought in my lifetime that I would actually get to go to some world cup games in my own region like yeah it's just insane like i i i personally don't feel like we're ready i personally don't feel like i'm ready (laughs) or aware of how big this is actually gonna go like we've we've already had a taster with the um playoff tournament that was in hamilton um amazing and that there's just so much hype and buzz around that and i just loved that and it just felt like this is not even the beginning. <laughs> yeah, well, as New Zealand, like, do you think we are prepared for the World Cup? I think we're taking it pretty cruisily. Like those that are those of us that aren't necessarily involved are like, oh yeah, I'll just I'll just rock up and buy a ticket on the night. Like she'll be right, mate. Yeah. And it's not that's not how it's going to work. You can't do that. It's FIFA. No. You have to buy in advance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I just don't think as a country we realise no. how much of a step <laughs> up this tournament is going to be. It's huge. It's I've never been a part of anything like this either. I've grown up in a rugby family yeah. or a netball family. So just, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be huge. And mm. I, I can't wait. Like, well, yeah, really like, so good for our country yeah it was so good for our country and like so good for our young players like how do you think it's gonna impact these young players like young girls obviously and I think we might have mentioned it on one of the previous episodes but it almost feels like this tournament might make it a norm for these younger boys as well to be like yeah woman the women's game is a spectacle and it is incredible so like what do you hope to see the impact is for some of these younger players, girls and guys? I hope that um, when you ask these young girls and guys who their fl- favourite players are, mm. that they'll just start listing off the tip of their tongue the female players that have played in the Women's World Cup, and that's just a starting point. So yeah. at the moment it's Ronaldo, Messi, yeah. whoever. Like, it, it'll just be incredible for them to say, oh, Sam Kerr, oh, yeah. Hannah Wilkinson, oh, Liv Chance, you know, yeah. Paige Satchel, like local names uh, as their favourite players who they now know who they are and, the, you know, our representative female team. That's just the starters. And I'm hoping that, you know, word of mouth gets round the communities that, oh, my gosh, I went and watched Zambia play Norway or someone yeah. and you know have these um school kids who are just you know wild about going to see these international teams in their backyard playing and word gets out to them oh I went and watched this last night how cool is that and oh yeah. look at this trick that they did with a football that they have in their own backyard and then I think the game will just grow from there and the participation hopefully will follow as well. Um, and I think we need to be ready for that as federations. Um, and being able to support that will be will be the biggest thing. Otherwise, if we get this momentum of increase of players, of 
boys and girls going, oh, I want to play football now. You know, yeah. I idolize this player. She plays football. I want to play that. I want to play football now. Or, yeah. Um, not being ready or not being able to accommodate that because that will fall outside our winter season. Mm. That will be that will be an interesting uh, challenge that clubs I think will face. Yeah, no, for sure. And it's interesting that you bring that up because yeah, like the end of the World Cup will fall outside of winter season, playing season. But I mean, National Women's League will still be going. Mm. Um, like you know, there'll still be access to those games for people to watch, but as you say, not necessarily participate in. So what? I mean, and like, I haven't thought about this at all. So this is a really interesting conversation, but like, what are you doing or initially preparing for in the FDO role to kind of prep for this influx of players that you're expecting? Or like, do you have any ideas knocking around or or is it all kind of like crisis mode? What are we going to (laughs) do? I guess there's a bit of that actually. (laughs) Um, um, Actually... New Zealand football have come out with three legacy programs, I think, to try and anticipate this growth of football as well, which yep. are going to be targeted for schools and clubs um, in terms three and four. Uh, hmm. So they've got the likes of Ko Tui Tui um, program, which will be run in terms, I think it's just been launched last week, actually. But a lot of our schools in the YBOP area are going to be running it in term three and four, so during and after the World Cup. So yep. that's a um, program where they go into schools. It's got a Te Ao Māori influence in it. They um, have a curriculum piece that the teachers will teach to in um, social sciences, and then we'll have coaches come in and take the practical element, so the football or the futsal games that are tied in with Kōtui Tui. So that's one of the programs, and you've got the Fan Tales program which yep. is based for girls, um, girls that don't play football, and that's for our uh, our younger girls as well. Um, so it will be aimed at them just turning up and playing as well. And then you've got the Kicking It Girls, which we've already we already started last year in our region. We were one of the pilot regions for it. Um, Utamutai yep. Football Club did a fantastic um, job of running it. And it's just youth females, so teenagers, turning up and playing, no coaches, just turn up and play essentially six aside or five aside summer football. So I think New Zealand football having those initiatives in place um, will actually help carry that momentum of the increase of participation, I mm. think, hopefully. Yeah, <laughs> we hope. Because <laughs> um, otherwise, yeah, it's it's going to be a bit tricky. Yeah, well, it's interesting that you um, you flagged that word, or not you, but NZ, NZ Football have been loving this word legacy at the moment. And I know it's a little bit of a pet peeve of yours, that word. Uh, <laughs> to put it bluntly, I'm throwing you under the bus here a bit. But... <laughs> Thanks, Bella. <laughs> um, like, there is all this talk of what legacy is this World Cup going to leave behind for for young players for New Zealanders for the country as a whole but like and so from like your perspective and being involved in that kind of development of football at a community level like what is your issue with that word legacy and like what's your take on it and maybe and what do you hope to get from the World Cup if not a legacy yeah so I guess Legacy and the word leverage is another key pet peeve of mine. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I like what they're trying to do. 
however, I guess these words are just bantered around just so liberally at the moment. Um, and I, I just find it really concerning that people don't fully understand what legacy is because um, you're getting um, examples of these programs or, you know, new roles coming up for people where there's only two years of funding tied into it. And they're like, yeah, that's legacy. And I'm like, well, what's going to happen once all that funding is pulled away? You know, if, if, you've only, if you've only allocated it for two years, that's not legacy. That's just a yeah. flash in the pan. We'll cover you for this. And then it's up to you to keep it going. And mm. I think that's the, that's the struggle there is not having that support to continue. And, um, you know, the, condition, the continuation should be long after the two years. And it should be started even before, I guess, the Women's World Cup. Um, I prefer to use the words, personally, I prefer to use the words journey or ongoing journey. Yeah. Um, so it means that it's something that you're still traveling on. And it's not something that's just going to fall away, you know. Um, it should be viewed as something that's that's continued, um, that doesn't rely on funding. Mm. Or if, if you are given funding, how can you try and utilise that funding best so it, it, la it outlasts the World Cup, it outlasts the next two years of growth of football. Um, it, yeah, it just should be a continuation. Yeah. It's a journey. Um Another example is one of my colleagues, uh, Scott, bless his soul. So he goes into um, a lot of schools and does a lot of football in schools, which is a program that's been around for years. Yeah. Um, he's, he's recently adapted that into uh, coaching and, um, it's, and turned it into credits with you know, working in with the schools. So we've got a bunch of 17 year olds who are about to leave high school with coach qualifications and experience. Oh, so wow. it's, yeah, he's done an incredible job in the Waikato doing that. Um, so it's just doing little things like that. I think that will help continue the journey that is football. Um, it will leave a legacy in itself, I guess, Um because it's just something that we've always been doing and it's something that we haven't used funding for like mm. we've used no funding for foot, uh, walking football in Murupara we just turn up I've got pop-up goals and balls that we use for work anyway and we just use those and that credits high school credits thing isn't incredible again incredible like that's gonna make such a difference huge difference and it's not just you know you turn up to a class of kids who don't necessarily want to be there or want to coach either it's it's tied in with their curriculum so they're having to do it and they're buying into it as well yeah and yeah Scott's Scott's just done an incredible job with working with the school to get it as recognized as part of their curriculum is huge it's, yeah I don't know how he's done it <laughs> <laughs> well yeah and like because coaching is very much a valid like career path now like you can fully make a job out of it if you want to so to have that offered in schools and even have that, well, in, in the school in Waikato, but to even have that visibility and awareness that this is possible is game changer. That's oh, huge. Like, I wish that was available when I was at school. 100%. <laughs> I would have signed up for that flash. Physics would have been out the door. <laughs> yes. See algebra, see maths. <laughs> yeah. 100%. 
Um, well, I mean, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Like this has been such a brilliant conversation and it's so exciting to hear about everything you're doing at the community level because that's where like the real change is going to happen is at that federation community level. Like it's, I mean, it, yeah, as we said, it's so exciting having that FIFA World Cup coming, but that's not going to matter if there's not people like you putting in the hard yards on the ground. So like, thank you on behalf of the football community thank you for all your time and effort because truly like you are such an inspiration to women in football oh thank you so much Bella that's so kind and your white shorts podcast is it's so cool like Jess and I were talking about putting together a podcast last year and then we saw this we're like oh my gosh it's so much better than anything we could have put together so Thank you so much, Bella, and keep up your awesome mahi as well because it's it's getting the word out there and it's oh. it's just so great well, hearing yeah. about your experience as well. Oh, thank you. No, I mean, it's all, it's all an absolute credit to you guys and your incredible stories and, you know, the efforts and work that you guys are putting in. So, yeah, but thank you. Yeah, again, thank you. Thank you for your time this evening and, um, yeah, just really appreciate everything you've shared with us today and, you know, all your thoughts and opinions because, yeah, there's, I reckon if some people can pick up even a quarter of what you're doing, New Zealand football is going to be a changed environment pretty damn quick. Here's hoping. <laughs> um, well, yeah, thank you to all the listeners for tuning in again to episode seven. Um, jump in again next week for a new new guest. Uh, look forward to having you on board. Uh, but yeah, thank you for listening. Cheers.